Now, I think for a lot of people, they would assume all you do is you compare the mortgage payment to the potential rent payment, whichever one's lower, that's the better option. And I'm here to say that's not the case. There's way more to consider. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skelly, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. Hey everybody, it's Nate Skelly. Welcome back to the Financial Pathway Podcast. Appreciate you joining us today. This has been a very interesting week uh, leading up to this podcast. I, I did mention on, I think the last episode or maybe a couple episodes ago, about hurricanes and living in Pensacola and on the Gulf Coast and the possibility of hurricanes. Well, guess what? We had a hurricane. Hurricane Sally came right through our area last week. And um, man, we, we had a lot of damage from the storm, a lot of downed trees, power lines. We had a, a barge get loose and smash into the Three Mile Bridge, and now that that can't even be used for the next two months. Um, crazy, just a lot of things. Uh, even even now driving around, you can just see everywhere downed trees. And um, thankfully, man, our, our first responders, these the, the um, utility company crews have done an amazing job getting power back up and running. Thankfully, as far as I know, there have been no fatalities from the hurricane, so we're very thankful for that. And we're also grateful as a family that our house did not sustain any damage. We've had plenty of houses in the area that have had trees down in the yard, trees on the roof, shingles fly off the roof, uh, fences blown over. So a lot of property damage, and certainly it's going to take a good bit of time to get people back um, back up to speed and back up to normal but we are thankful for the most case, for, for the most part, just for safety and, and for nobody being killed. Um, and we didn't expect it to be this bad. Everybody was thinking it was just going to be really heavy rain. But sure enough, uh, Sally ramped up to a Category 2, almost Category 3. And it was moving so slow that we were sitting in the eye wall of the hurricane for 12 hours. So I've definitely not experienced anything like that before. And uh, nothing like having power out for a few days to remind you how much we uh, take technology for granted and how soft and comfortable our lives are until that's suddenly taken away from us. But we're thankful to have the power back and for us to be somewhat back to normal. And uh, if you're somewhere else, you know, not in the Pensacola area, you probably saw a little bit about that on the news. But that's what's been happening here. Well, today we're going to talk about an important topic that is buying versus renting. This is a question that really just about everybody has to face at some point in life and in some cases has to face multiple times. It's an important question, one that you want to make sure you make the right one for your family, for your finances, and we're going to go through that today, give you some helpful tips and some questions to consider in making that right decision. Now, I think for a lot of people, they would assume all you do is you compare the mortgage payment to the potential rent payment, whichever one's lower, that's the better option. And I'm here to say that that's not the case. There's way more to consider. And I'm going to give you a few questions that you should ask to help you to decide what is the better option, buying or renting. Some would feel like buying is always the better option. You never rent. And I don't think that that's the case. I'll tell you a little bit why as we get into this. So let's talk quickly about pros and cons of buying versus renting, what are the advantages and disadvantages. 
I'll quickly address some common objections to renting, and then I'll give you four questions to consider and then leave you with a quick formula, a little back of the napkin math that you can do and help engage whether you should buy or rent. So uh, as far as buying versus renting advantages, disadvantages, on the buying side, the advantages, of course, are you build equity. There's a good chance your property is going to increase over time. You've got more freedom to do what you want with the property and privacy. And uh, it could be a potential source of income. You could rent out your house. you got tax benefits. You could possibly refinance down the road, get a lower interest rate or access equity in the house. But there's disadvantages. There's a lot more cost to owning a house. Uh, you got taxes, insurance, sometimes mortgage insurance. you got repairs. Also, you got responsibility. You're liable. It's your property. Something happens on it or happens to it. You, you, you bear the, the, the liability, the responsibility there. Your home could drop in value, uh, potentially. You got less flexibility to move because you got to list the house and you got to pay for mortgage or pay, pay for closing costs and these types of things. And, and usually you need a, a sizable amount of money to get in a house in the first place for your down payment for your closing costs. So that can be somewhat prohibitive. On the renting side, Advantages would be more flexibility to move, um, not as much peripheral cost. Really, you got your rent, you got your utilities, and renter's insurance, and that's that's usually about it. Uh, you don't have to uh, worry about the repairs and the maintenance. You're not responsible for paying those for the leaky roof for the AC going out. That's on the landlord, and you don't bear the stress of the home value uh, or having to sell if if the housing market drops well you're not it's it's not on you because you don't own the house you're just renting it but of course there's disadvantages too you're restricted by your lease as far as what you can use the property for and when you can leave and and all that sort of thing you usually can't make updates you can't make things your own you can't just paint the walls any color or redo the kitchen you're at the mercy of the landlord so if the toilets running or the faucets leaking well then they've got to come and fix that and you're on their timetable so that can be a source of stress or disagreement and maybe they think well that doesn't really need to be fixed and you're like no it does but um and you're not earning any equity of course when you're when you're renting so there's no uh, way to recoup the cost of those monthly payments if rent increases then you've got to pay the uh, increased prices or find a new place and then, of course, if your lease doesn't get renewed, maybe the landlord sells the property. Maybe the landlord says, I'm not renewing your lease. And then you have to leave, even though you don't really necessarily want to leave. So there's some, some disadvantages for sure with renting. Now, some people would say you should never rent, and they give some different reasons for that. Let me address those very quickly. First of all, probably the most common one is that when you rent, you're just throwing money away. And I understand where people are coming from on this. And I understand when you, you compare a mortgage payment versus a rent payment, it certainly seems to be a clear difference. Mortgage payment, that's going towards paying down the principal and you're building equity. And so later on, when you want to sell the house, you're going to recoup some of that cost. But with rent, it all goes to the landlord. You don't get any of that money back. But I would also say you need to think about all the other costs that go along with, with buying. For instance, you got taxes, you got insurance, HOA fees, repairs, cleaning, mortgage insurance. All of these are costs associated with owning a house. Would you consider those throwing money away when you pay for those? Because there's not a way to recoup those expenses. You're not building equity with those. But you understand that that's just part of the cost of living and, and, and having a, a place. And that's the, really the case with rent. So just because a mortgage payment helps you to build equity 
does not in and of itself make it the smart financial decision or the better financial decision. It's only one factor of many that needs to be compared. So I would say I understand the sentiment of saying renting is throwing money away, but I think that's actually not a good way to look at it. I think you, you need to consider that there's more to that picture than than just your rent versus mortgage payment. Secondly, um, a second objection to renting is that, well, when I buy a house, I'm making an investment. My house is an investment, therefore it's a smarter use of my living expenses. But I would encourage you to not think of your house, your primary residence as an investment. If you have a rental property, that's a different story, but your primary residence is really not an investment vehicle, or, or it shouldn't be a primary investment vehicle. Yes, historically home prices have risen steadily. Usually houses will increase in value over time, but that's not a guarantee. We've seen housing prices fall and take a long time to come back. So it's not something you should count on. Housing prices don't rise in a steady, predictable way. But the reason you shouldn't view your house as uh, your primary residence as a, an investment is because really there's a lot of better alternatives, I would say, to investing your money than, than your house. So just because it's probably going to go up in value, just because you're building equity by paying down your mortgage, doesn't really make it a good investment. And I would say in almost every case, primary residences turn out to not be a good investment. When you really sit down and do the math and tabulate all the costs, very rarely is, is your house really a good investment. Um, your housing price, you don't get regular real-time updates on the value of your house like you would with other investments like the stock market. You're not getting a weekly or monthly report saying, here's how much your house is worth uh, this month. Housing prices are very regional. So you know maybe houses prices in Miami are going down while prices in Phoenix are going up and prices in Atlanta are staying flat. But it not only varies by region, but also by neighborhood. So your house, you, know, you might have a development a mile down the road where the prices are going up, 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 and there's demand and your house is not increasing in value. And you say, how is that the case? I mean, there's a mile away. We're in the same area. Shouldn't shouldn't all housing prices be going up? Not necessarily, because there's a lot of specific factors that go into the demand for a house. The number of bathrooms, number of bedrooms, the size of the yard, the size of the closets, the, the age of the house, the roof. There's so many things that go into it that really make it a, a difficult thing to, to pin down. Housing prices typically, uh, historically I should say, have risen by about 3 to 4% a year. So yes, they do typically go up over time, not in a neat like like clockwork every year, 3 or 4%, but just you know, over time you average it out. But that's roughly the same as inflation. Inflation historically is about a 3% a year increase. So what that means is while, yes, your house might be increasing in value over time, so is everything else. It, 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 prices of everything else is also going up by about the same rate, maybe a little bit less. So maybe you're gaining a little bit of, of, of distance on it. But again, when you compare it to other investment alternatives, usually your house is not a great investment vehicle because it's, it's usually keeping pace with inflation, keeping pace with everything else. So let me finish, uh, let me, let me uh, now move on to uh, the, this last segment where we talk about four questions to consider to ask when you're making this determination. Should I buy or should I rent? Because that the question still remains. Do I buy? Do I rent? So let me give you four questions to ask that'll help you in determining where you need to go. First question, probably the most important is how long are you going to live there? If you're going to be there more than five years, it's probably better to buy. If you're going to be there less than three years, it's probably better to rent. 
And the reason mainly has to do with closing costs. When you buy, there's a lot of upfront costs. You gotta get an appraisal, there's broker's fees, title insurance, escrow for your taxes and insurance, home inspection. These all add up to usually anywhere from two to 5% of the total purchase price. Meaning if you're buying a $200,000 home, it's between four to $10,000 in closing costs. Then when you sell the house, you'll also have significant closing costs because typically it's the seller that covers the real estate agent's commissions. And that's usually 6%, 3% for the buyer, 3% for the seller. So again, 6% of $200,000 home, that's $12,000 in commission that you're paying on the back end plus some other closing costs as well. That's a lot of money to get in. That's a lot of money to get out. And because of that, the shorter your stay, the higher the likelihood is that renting would have been the better alternative because of how much money you spent in those upfront and back-end costs. But the longer you stay in the home, the more you spread those costs out and the longer you give yourself for the home to appreciate in value and for you to pay down the mortgage and build equity. And so therefore, the longer you stay in the home, the more likely it is that buying becomes the better option. One other thing I do want to mention, though, uh, is that uh, the two-year window, if you sell your house before you own it for two years, you can owe capital gains taxes on the appreciation. You buy that house for $200,000, a year later you turn around and sell it for two twenty. dollars That 20% appreciation could be subject to capital gains taxes. So that's something you should definitely keep in mind as well. So first of all, how long are you going to be in the house? More than five years? probably should buy. Less than three years, probably should rent. Number two, how much money do you have saved up? Because you're probably going to need to make a down payment on the house. Now, people talk about making a 20% down payment. What is that? Well, if you make a 20% down payment on a conventional loan, you don't have to pay mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance is there so that the lender is, is covered in case you default on the loan. Because the way the lender looks at it, if you can make a 20% down payment, there's a good chance that even if you don't pay back the rest of the mortgage, uh, if you don't pay back the mortgage, the uh, the bank, the lender can sell the house and still recoup their losses. But if you're only making a 5% down payment, well then maybe not. So they need a little extra safety there. So therefore you're gonna have to pay mortgage insurance. So you don't have to pay 20% down, but if you don't, then you're gonna have to pay mortgage insurance some form or fashion. So you can still get a conventional loan with 10% down or 5% down. There's FHA loans, which are government insured. Uh, they require 3.5% down, so a little bit less, but there's some more rules that go along with that. It can be a little bit more of a cumbersome process. In some cases, there's VA loans for veterans that are 0% down. I do not believe that they have mortgage insurance. There's a special type of loan. USDA loans are for rural areas that are also 0% down. Point is, for most of uh, for most people, they're not going to be able to get a 0% down loan. They're going to have to pay some amount as a down payment. So that's a chunk right there. Plus, they're going to pay closing costs, again, 2 to 5%. They might be able to uh, roll that into the loan and just make that part of, 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 of the loan and not pay that out of pocket. But then, of course, you're paying that with interest, and so that's going to end up being a good deal more uh, over time. But what I'm saying is, in order to buy a place, you're going to need a good amount of money for your down payment and for your closing costs probably, but also you need to leave some money in emergency savings as a buffer because when you buy a house, well, guess what? You're now inheriting a property that 
It gives you a lot more potential emergencies where you might need some cash to fix the AC or, 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 or to, do, to, to do a repair, to, uh, to fix the leaky roof, those types of things. So you need a good chunk of money for down payment, for closing costs, and to still leave money in emergency savings. If you rent, you don't need as much up front. You need one month typically as a security deposit, and then you need to pay the first month's rent up front. So double whatever the monthly rent is, that's what you need to pay up front. Maybe there's a, a cost, a one-time cost for pets or for an admin fee. Those are usually pretty low, and especially compared to your buying closing costs, they're really very minimal. So the amount of money you have saved up is another important question. Question number three is, how's your credit score? Is your credit score good enough for a loan, and is your credit score good enough for a good interest rate on a loan? If you want to get a conventional loan, you need a credit score usually 620 or above is, is going to be needed. You can possibly go less than that with an FHA loan, but keep this in mind. The higher your credit score, the better interest rate you can get. The lower your credit score, the higher interest rate you're going to pay. This can make a big difference over time. 1%, 2%, 3% difference can be a massive difference over 15, 20, 30 years. And if you don't have a credit score, well then guess what? You're not going to be able to get a loan, at least through the traditional route. So your credit score is important. Work on improving your credit score. You can go back and check out our earlier episode about credit scores, what goes into them, and how you can improve your credit score, how you can build it. Fourth question, last question you need to consider is, what are my total costs? Give a real apples-to-apples comparison. Don't just look at your mortgage versus your rent payment. Think about all the costs associated, taxes insurance, maintenance, but also opportunity cost. If you can buy a house for 2000 in total cost, mortgage, taxes, insurance, maintenance, all that wrapped up is going to be 2000 a month, but you could rent a very similar place for 1700 and then invest the difference of $300. Think about also your opportunity cost, and that changes the math a little bit. Remember to compare apples to apples. If you're going to compare rent first owning, make sure it's the same number of beds, same number of baths, similar square footage, and similar area to make sure that it's a fair comparison. Let me leave you with one little formula, one one last quick tip here that, that could be helpful, and then we'll wrap this episode up. This is what we call the price to rent ratio. This is something that you could probably do on the back of a napkin and do a quick formula. Here's what you do. Take the home price and divide it by the annual rent amount. So whatever that house is worth, divide it by how much you would pay in a year, so 12 months worth of rent, and then that number. If it's less than 20, then it's probably better to buy. But if it's more than 20, it's probably better to rent. Now, this is not meant to be like, this is the the, the one thing, you, know, you can just throw out everything else I said in this episode. This is just kind of a quick little tool you can use to give yourself a gauge. Home price divided by annual rent amount. If it's less than 20, probably better to buy. If it's more than 20, probably better to rent. Now, generally speaking, I would say that most times people are going to be better off buying, but it's not always the case. And that's why it's important to take these steps, ask these questions. I would say uh, as as another uh, helpful tool, look up a buy versus rent calculator where you can input some of these and I'll do the math for you. Nerdwallet.com has one of these that I really like and I, I would say that's that's a good one to use. And then lastly, I would say talk to your financial advisor. Getting an objective uh, second opinion, somebody who understands your financial situation can be certainly a helpful thing. So hopefully that's been a help to you today. Buying versus renting an important financial decision. 
make sure you're taking these things into consideration before you make that decision. Thanks for your time. Appreciate you joining us on today's episode. We'll see you on the next one.